You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Los Angeles. This is amazing. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. It's been way, way, way too long. You know, a special shout out to my brothers and sisters here in the auditorium this morning, to those of you that are watching outside, as well as those of you at home, and to our brothers and sisters in Pakistan, India, and Lebanon who have decided to join us here this morning as well. Amen. And uh, I would be very remiss if I were not to thank our amazing tech team who have been here a good part of the day yesterday, this morning, as well as our worship team. And I'm telling you, Betty Collins singing Waymaker, it had me in tears. Thank you, Betty, for uh, working on this heart that can be a little hard from time to time. Super appreciate it. Again, my name is, uh, well, not again, I haven't said it yet. Most of you know me. My name is Steve Marici. I'm the senior minister here that has the incredible honor to serve in coastal Los Angeles. And we got a lot of great stuff going on this morning. We got Reese Nealon here with us all the way from Florida. Uh, those of you who know Reese, used to be a major part of our uh, Lifeway ministry, which used to be our central region way back in the day. Uh, we also have these two amazing young people, Abigail and Andrew Tomei, all the way from Lebanon here today. We have an elder appointment that's going on. I'll, I'll save that for the people who are going to be on stage taking care of all that. But because we got so much going on, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Amen? We're going to jump right in, start out in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. And if, you, if you've got it, you can go ahead. And I, I see Reese is old school. I can actually hear the pages of his Bible turning while the rest of you are scrolling. Thank you, Reese, right up front here. So I want to give you a sec, go ahead and turn there, scroll there, whatever it is you're doing with whatever the device is that you have. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You know, one of the things I love about God is his consistency. We see this at the beginning, and we see it at the end with Jesus' ministry, this same focus. This is so incredibly significant to God when it comes to how we conduct ourselves. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. There's a whole bunch of thems that follow this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, it's a warning here in verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You know, we see this incredibly important warning to us as it was then to God's people, Israel at the time. Verse 12, be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
You know, why does God tell us to be careful and not to forget? Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but if you're like me, I, I can't have this tendency to forget. All I got to do is talk to my amazing wife, Jacqueline, down here in the front row. Uh, without things written down and all the various forms of electronics I have today to keep me on task, I would be an absolute mess. But God tells us we need to remember. And again, I may not be the only one, but memory is not my greatest strength. And I have to deliberately work more and more to remember, to write things down, to put an alarm or alert my phone. And that's just with the recent stuff that's going on based on all the phone calls, emails, and texts that I can receive on a daily basis. You know, and that's with these points of connection that are something that is physically in my presence on a daily basis. How much more so am I in danger of forgetting the things that are not physically here? Especially with all the things vying for my attention on a, da on a daily basis. When it comes to just thinking through this life we live here on earth. If we're not careful, if we're not mindful, if we're not purposeful in our daily walk, and when it comes to our God and putting God in the rightful place in our lives to make him our number one, to keep him our first love, then we will forget. You know, have you ever forgotten something really important? Uh, I have this situation that uh, some of you may have heard me share before, but it's uh, one that stands out to me and that is kind of embarrassing. Uh, we were at a park service and... Uh, for those of you that know me, I can be a little bit on the competitive side. And we were having the amazing egg toss. Any of you guys ever participate in an egg toss? Not, not very many of you. It's, it's quite an amazing event. And again, with that competitiveness, I decided to pull off my wedding ring because in one other situation I had participated in a few years prior, uh, it was down to me and one brother and another couple. And we got to about 75 feet of each other, and he threw it, and, you know, I was scooping these things up left and right. Well, it came to my left, so I led with my left hand. The egg smacked my ring and blew up. So I had this brilliant idea to take the ring off in this particular situation, put it in my pocket, so that that would not happen. And it didn't, and I still came in second place, so, you know, what, what can I say? I forgot I had the ring in my pocket. And there may have been an entire day that went by before I remembered I didn't have my ring. That's what a lack of memory can do on occasion. Try explaining that to your spouse. Uh, you know, I was in this thing called an egg toss, and I just happened to take my ring off, and not to mention insult to injury, it was some uh, gold that she had received from her grandfather along with some diamonds from, I believe, her grandmother. She made this, Jackie had this nugget ring designed for me. So uh, there was all kinds of other issues with that. But that's what can happen when it comes to our memories. We can forget. And as a disciple, what does forgetting, not remembering the Lord, look like? Anybody? wasn't rhetorical, but I'll go ahead and fill in the blanks. Um, how about reading our Bible? How about praying? But I think even more so today, more so than any other time, how about our personal conduct wherever we go? Can people see Christ in us? 
Are we grateful? Or do we struggle with entitlement? And you know, one of the things that was amazing for me was the time I most recently spent in Lebanon. Every time I go to the Middle East, it just really is heart surgery. When I look at what I take for granted, simple things, being able to charge your cell phone, having Wi-Fi pretty much accessible wherever you go, not having to worry about food, getting stuck in an elevator because the electricity goes out, your refrigerator turning off, all these different things, your money being pretty much worthless because of a crazy rate of inflation and virtually what government they do have, just this amazing degree of corruptness which affects each and every one of them on an individual basis. Yet they are the most resilient brothers and sisters I've ever run into with all the opposition that they face. It's amazing how they conduct themselves. And you know, and just like we see these people in the Bible here having received these amazing things from God, Israel, actually this promise of amazing things that from God was going to deliver to Israel, this, this lack of remembrance. Just like they were about to receive great things, we've received incredibly great things from God. You know, these people that are being referenced in this passage were being promised a land with large flourishing cities. Houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells that they didn't dig. Vineyards and olive groves. And again, looking through this list, cities and houses they did not build or fill. Wells and cisterns they did not dig. Crops they didn't plant. God gifted them with all these things, much like how we've been blessed through the blood of Christ. They hadn't worked for or earned those things. Just like us when it comes to the the gift of salvation we received, We didn't earn this. There's nothing we could do to work for it. They hadn't worked those crops to land or built any of those dwellings, yet they became ungrateful. They lost sight of what God had done for them and this amazing gift that God had given them. So let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. And we see Moses in this passage reminding the people of God about God's expectations for them based on how God had taken care of them. Verse 1 reads, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. You know, God's word tells us we need to remember. We need to remember that God's the one that brings us the blessings. As we live our lives remembering, we are blessed with a joy-filled, long life. We talked briefly about this and what it means not to forget. So what does it mean or what does it look like to remember the Lord God practically? To remember our Lord is just the love that we are supposed to have for him, the love and obedience that we're called to with him. You know, and just thinking through this, there's a number of passages in the Bible that you guys will recognize by just looking up here on the screen. Matthew 6, what are we called to do first? Seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 22, just exactly what we saw in Deuteronomy, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. And then to do what? To love our neighbors as ourselves. And knowing that Jesus laid it out, Paul talks about how if we just focus on what's in Matthew 22, we've fulfilled all the things that the Israelites were called to adhere to when it came to all their laws and regulations. 
And then in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this continual remembrance to go and give others the opportunity to become disciples, and then doing what? Continuing to teach them to obey everything. And the significance of that when it comes to our relationship with God. Some of us have forgotten, and so we give the best of ourselves to the world, to our jobs, to whatever it is that we're involved with. And if God has blessed you with certain leadership talents and gifts and you hide them under a bowl or you use them only in the world and not in the kingdom, not in God's church, then you're giving the best of yourself to this world. Not glorifying God, not building God's church here for all eternity. And uh, some of you may have been wondering about what the bag was here. This is not my lunch. We're, we're going to have that with our Bible talk leaders right after our service here. But in James 4.14... It's a passage that many of us are familiar with, and it addresses just that. You know, it's in the context of people planning for tomorrow and going to this city and that city and generating a new business and being focused on the income and anything else that goes along with it. And James warns them in verse 14, he tells us that our life is what? A mist. Sorry about that, it's Febreze, so... And it's light-scented. I'm going to take this home. My car could probably use a little bit of this. There it is. There it goes. There's a bigger one. That's a little bit longer lifespan. That's our life. And it's over. What an amazing opportunity we have before us today each and every day, as disciples. What a great responsibility and privilege we have in remembering. What an incredible legacy we get to leave to the next generation, our children and their children, our nieces and nephews. So why the warning in Deuteronomy 6? Because the cost of forgetting is so incredibly high. It's much too high. The consequence of forgetting will not only be seen and felt in this life, but life eternal as well. This next passage, for me, is one of the saddest passages in the entire Bible. Judges 2, verse 10. <clears throat> it says an entire generation grew up who did not know the Lord, nor the things he had done in this place. An entire generation grew up who did not know the Lord nor the things that he had done in this place. If you're with me here in person, virtually, however you're here, please listen to this and ask yourself this question. Have you forgotten your first love? You know, in the book of Amos, he points out the problem in Israel. They had forgotten their first love. They had grown fat off the land that God had given them. They were comfortable in their paneled, remodeled houses. Many of them had many homes, all kinds of wealth. And they were at ease in Zion, and Amos called them cows of Bashan. And in northern Samaria, there's a, a, a province, a parcel, there was land that was so incredibly fertile. And these cows would probably be the equivalent of our Wagyu beef today. 
they, they have, you know, uh, free range, very fattened cows, amazing on a barbecue, I'm sure. Amos equates the people to these cows. They had become accustomed to the blessings and comforts of the life that God had blessed them with. They had forgotten the blesser. They forgot the Lord. And because of that, God was going to send Israel into captivity. In Amos 5, verse 4, Amos says, This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Verse 6, Seek the Lord and live. Or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Verse 14, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. So we see through the prophet Amos, God is saying, you need to remember, you've forgotten God. Remember, here they were receiving these amazing blessings, and in those blessings he says, don't forget the blesser. Remember me. Remember the Lord. There's an uh, analogy or an uh, illustration that I had the opportunity to see years ago. Some of you may remember this. Basically, what this represents is a timeline. This right here is your time on earth. The rest of this, just pretend, imagine, it just goes on and on and on and on. There's millions of years represented right here. And so many of us, when it comes to this little piece right here, this is what we're focused on. I'm going to work really hard, and it's good to work hard. We're called to be excellent before the Lord, amen? Work as if we're working for Christ. You know, we get to about the midway point in our lives, and retirement's a huge deal. I want to work so hard so that when I get to this little piece right here, I'm going to retire. I'm going to buy the big boat or the Airstream trailer or the truck to pull it or whatever it may be, and we lose all sight of the fact that this is so brief. We're dealing with what we do here determines what the rest of this looks like. The millions upon millions upon millions of years, I know I've got mathematicians in the group that can break down into the trillions and quadrillions and whatever else it is that follows that, but this determines where we spend the rest of it. And where is our focus? You know, I remember years ago, managing a dealership in Simi Valley and being called crazy by my coworkers because of all the time I spent with the church and all the things that I did. And their whole thing was, Dude, you, you're, you're living right here. You're missing it all. You're not having a good time. You're not enjoying life. You're crazy, Steve. And I looked at them and I said, no, you're crazy. You're focused on this right here, having a good time now, and you're losing sight of eternity. That living here determines the rest of this. Brothers and disciples, sisters, brothers as disciples, of Jesus Christ here in the U.S., we are so amazingly blessed. And we lose sight of the blessing, and we lose sight of the blesser. Let's not forget God who showers us with his blessing upon blessing upon blessing. We need to remember the Lord. 
we need to remember who owns the rope. Right now, I have the great pleasure of introducing to you Andrew and Abigail Tomei. They're here to share some of their experiences as Christians in Lebanon. Come on out, guys. Love you, my brother. I give you Andrew. Check, check. Check. There you go. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Let me say I'm so happy to be here in the Costa LA Church. It's awesome. Uh, seeing everybody here, you guys, it gives me a huge dream for Lebanon, for us to be this much one day, hopefully. So my name is Andrew Tame. I'm from Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. I'm 18 years old. I'm in my second year in university, and I've been a disciple for almost two and a half years. Yep. So the past two years have been crazy for all of us. But specifically for us in Lebanon, it's been going crazy. So first of all, I want to introduce my family. So these are my parents. My parents are the chairman of the Middle East. And this is my beautiful sister, which you're going to see in a bit. So it all started off in end of 2019 for us in Lebanon. So you would have all your money in the bank. And then one day you realize it's gone. So what had happened is that the politicians were stealing all that money and people, and we had disciples who had been working all their lives, and one day to find out their money was gone. So this caused a revolution, which was crazy. People were closing the roads, uh, and, and, and everybody just broke down because you would work all your life to save up money, and then one day you found out it's not there, and you can't do anything about it. So all the Lebanese went down, to the, to, went down to the streets, and it was crazy. And this was one of the biggest events that happened in the history of Lebanon. And it changed everything. It broke us, and, and it broke all our dreams and, all our, and, and our future, especially for me. Because uh, so it, it, it demotivates me to work and to stay in Lebanon. And this is also another picture of them closing the roads. It was crazy. And then something else that happens a couple of months after, I think you've all heard about it, it was the Beirut explosion. This explosion changed everything. The revolution already demotivated us. It broke us into pieces, knowing that everything we've done and everything we work for was gone. And then the explosion. I'm going to share a small video with you guys, and then we could talk about it. Last 
was felt more than 150 miles away, even registering on US seismographs used to measure earthquakes. At least 100 people are confirmed dead, thousands are injured. The city's wounded in desperate need of care, looking to St. George's Hospital, but it's medic. So yeah, this, this happened in, in August back in Lebanon, and it changed everything. You could see some of the, some of the photos from the, from the devastation that happened, the destruction that happened. This was another one. So when this happened, we thought, oh my gosh, it's over. We're going to die. And we all experienced it. All the disciples were there. We were all in that city in Beirut. And when, we, and when it happened, we thought, oh my gosh, how worse can it get? The explosion, we all almost died. And seeing everything that was happening, seeing all the people screaming and shouting, I was like, oh, it's real. Our lives were threatened back then. And then since then, the economy has been going downwards from there. And, to, and let me tell you that the explosion isn't the worst thing that happened in Lebanon, surprisingly. So now, today, we are suffering through electricity shortage, fuel shortage. So I'll show you some pictures of that. So you have to wait in line for hours just to fill your gas up with, with fuel. And we have disciples that have slept in their car just to fill their, gas, their, their car up with fuel. This is also a, a picture of the line. And because of the fuel shortage, there is no electricity. So people are sleeping outside their houses just to be able to, because it's so hot and humid in Lebanon. And it's crazy because, especially for me at school, I can't go to school because there's no fuel. And I, can do it at home, and I can't do it at home because there's no electricity. So it's, it broke us as Lebanese, because even with the situation, all that, all that was happening, so no money, so we have to work again to get the money. And to work again to get the money, there's no fuel to work, and there's no electricity to work, and there's no electricity to study. So it, it, it broke us, and we reached a point where we felt that God didn't love us, that God abandoned us. We, we got bro every situation that happened could have broken, broke, broke us more and more and more and more. And then we reached a point where we lost hope. We felt that God abandoned us. We felt that God hated us to that extent. It went crazy. It broke, it broke our dreams, our future. Everybody started leaving. Everybody lost family members, lost, lost close people, and we even lost our land, which was crazy. But we reached a point... In that situation where we had to take a stand, were we going to give up and let Satan push us down as a church? Or are we going to stand back up and fight back? So we reached a point where we had to take a stand and we fought back. And my sister is going to update you guys from, the, from, this, uh, from this two years how many victories we've had in the church. Good morning, guys. I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, it's a great uh, opportunity to be sharing with you guys. My name is Abigail Tome. I'm 16 years old, and I'm also from the Church of Lebanon. Um, I got baptized uh, January 19, 2020, and I'm almost reaching my two years as a disciple. Um, all right. So, I, sorry. This is 
falling. All right. So as a church, we decided, will we give up or will we actually keep on fighting? Will we blame God or will we actually trust God? And we had to choose what will we do. So as a church, we all fought together. So we decided to let God decide what we will do. So we prayed and fasted as a whole church for this pandemic because everything going on, you might say, wow, this is a lot going on. What is happening to the church? Now, we, not going to lie, thought that the church was going to go downhill for us because we thought that we can't see anyone. Everything was just off. There's no reason for us to be positive. There's no reason for us to keep fighting. But you know what? We prayed and fasted. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we were able to reach a lot of people during this pandemic. So we thought, how will we reach them? We can't do anything else. So God really answered us and he said, you're going to use social media. So we thought, wow, social media. This is something new for everyone in the church. And we thought like, everyone's just like old. We don't know how to use social media. We don't know how to just reach out to people and the youth and everything. But you know what? God had it all figured out. We, through Zoom, were able to start Bible classes, which we call Deep Roots. Deep Roots was a great way for to us to do have Bible studies with a lot of people to get deeper and saved. Now, you might think, where did this idea come from? Everything is going on. But believe me, it's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit really spoke to my parents. And in Acts 2, as you, as you remember in the Bible, Peter used to baptize over 3,000 disciples a day. And for us, we were like, if Peter can do that, of course we can do something about it. So we thought that why don't we start group Bible studies. And ever since then, we've had over 55 baptisms during these two years. And we doubled in numbers. Right now, we have over 200 people studying the Bible, which is something so amazing for us because we're such a small church, and now we're doubled and tripled, which is amazing. And this is all through social media. Now, you would say, okay, that's amazing, but what did we really learn? We lost our basic needs. We lost everything. We had nothing left. But you know how we always used to say this phrase, God is our everything? But do we actually live it? Is God actually our everything? And we really thought to ourselves, God should be our everything because we have nothing. <laughs> so we learned that God can make the best out of every situation to his glory. We learned that we should trust God. We should trust his spirit through any means, anything, social media, Zoom. God can use anything for his glory. And God can use anything for us to keep on fighting. We learned to trust him no matter what. We learned to trust him even if we lost everything. Because if we didn't, then what will we have? We have nothing and we have no God? <laughs> then I'd rather not be here, honestly. So I'm glad that it was able to be so positive. I would like to share a verse with you guys in Romans 8.28. And it says, all things work together for good for those who love God. And this is something very amazing. And we've been going through it because it's really been keeping us as a church keep going. And I would like to thank you all for all your prayers and your fasting and all your donations. Because we've been able to help so many families back there in Lebanon that are in need of our help. And we've been as a church so grateful that we have another family in the other side of the world that we can lean on. I'm going to pass it on to Andrew to continue saying the rest. Thank you guys. Thank you. So as you see, although Lebanon was going one way, the church was going the other way. And it was crazy. We didn't understand how many people were coming to the church and how many people wanted to get baptized. And it was crazy. And through this phase, uh, we learned a lot. 
it was, it was uh, to us a training field and a training lesson through everything that happened. So one thing that we learned is that nothing can fill the gap and the void inside of us except God. Because sometimes us as humans, especially as Lebanese, you know, we're prideful. We care about how we look, our car, uh, our job position, and everything we do. And, we reach, and our money and how much lands we have and all of that. And we reached a point where we lost all of that. We lost it all. So we had to learn forcefully to fill that gap and that void with God. And when we filled it, we saw the victories that we had. Something else that we learned is that we, when we are not comfortable, God is. When we are put in uncomfortable situations, God is comfortable and it's booming. And you see the church, it went crazy. We doubled the numbers. And we were just around 50, 50, 50 70 disciples. Now we're almost 150, which is crazy. And something that my sister also learned, that we learned that God makes the best out of the worst. And, and, and we actually applied the verse that God walks with us through darkest valleys. And we even felt that. And we felt God holding our hand and protecting us through this whole phase. Something else that we learn is to lean not on our own understanding. Because if, if we leaned on our own understanding, we would have thought God hates us, God isn't fair, and we would have lost hope. But we, when we leaned on God's understanding, all of that happened. And the last thing that we really learned is that the war that the Bible is talking about, it's real. It's real. And it's crazy. We felt at war over there. We felt we were fighting. Even we felt we were fighting Satan. We were like, the boys were ready. The men were ready. And we really learned to be warriors. Because sometimes when we're too comfortable, we forget that we're warriors. And we were meant and we were born to fight. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to fight. And we see from the first church that they never had peace. So we're like, okay, okay, Satan, it's on. It's on, and we all started fighting, and it went crazy, and we had so many victories. So I pray that even if we're comfortable to step out of that comfort zone and to really be ready to fight and to put on the armor of God, because the armor isn't useful if there's no war, right? So I pray if, the, if everything that happened in Lebanon did so much growth, I pray that it happens here. And to have so many disciples, to have, to have so much growth here. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Jesse Mofid, I know you guys are watching. You done good. I would imagine we got proud Papa Bear, Mama Bear there in Lebanon, super excited and fired up about being able to see their kids and the impact that they're having. Brothers and sisters, just a couple of final closing thoughts here. Bible constantly hits us with reminders about our need to remember the Lord. Remember who he is. He's Yahweh, our Redeemer, our Comforter, our Almighty Lord, Most High, Master, the Word, the Great I Am, the Lord of Hosts, our Provider, our Banner, our Healer, the Lord of Peace. He's jealous for you. He's the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man. He's a consuming fire, the Alpha and Omega. He's the Potter, our Father, the Rock, our very great reward. And he is for us. He's not against us. He sets us up to live life to the full here on earth, and he gives us the promise of heaven and a crown that will last forever. He is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord.
It's your move. As we leave here today, we need to ask ourselves what we're going to change. What will we commit to to make sure that God is put back into that number one position, that we don't lose sight of our first love, remembering how we felt when we came up out of the waters of baptism, putting him back in his rightful position. And with that, whatever it is that you need to change, share it with someone, whether it's your wife, your spouse, a friend, your disciple, or whoever it is, have someone help you stay accountable in that area so we can get back to that position again. And finally, as you look back over 2020 and the last 18 months that have taken place in your life up to this point, are you more like Jesus today or less like Jesus today? And as we head into the next 18 months, the close of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, let's live every day in remembrance of the Lord. Amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.